Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you for taking the time to download it. Welcome to episode two of Inside Song. Today I'm talking to David Cribben. He is the front man of indie punk band Arcadian Shadows. They're based here in Dublin and they have an EP out called Between the Lines, which we talk about amongst many other things on the interview today. Before that, though, I want to say thanks to everybody who took the time to listen to episode one and give me some feedback on it. It was great to hear. And uh, yeah, we should be bringing you many more episodes uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, make sure you subscribe. We are also now on Spotify. Yay, it took some time, but we're finally there. So we are now on Spotify, Apple Music, TuneIn, Anchor, Downcast, and probably a couple of other places that I uh, don't know about. Um, Yeah, so plenty of places to get us. And remember, if you are an artist or you are involved in the music industry and you'd like to get in touch or take part in the show, the email address is insidesongpod at gmail.com. Please also give us a follow on Twitter at insidesongpod. And I'm also on Facebook now, so I've been a busy boy uh, since I talked to you last. So um, the Facebook page is Inside Song Podcast, so you can go on there and like the page and whatever else people do on Facebook. I'm also going to be starting a Spotify playlist for the show, so any bands or artists that we talk to, we will put two tracks from that artist into the playlist, so it will grow week by week, so keep an eye out for that on Spotify. It'll be called Inside Song Podcast Playlist or something like that. Uh, I'll update you on it exactly when it's set up. I haven't actually set it up yet, but uh, I'm in the process of doing it. But uh, it will be really cool, I think, to have uh, one place that you can go to listen to some of the music uh, from all the people featured on on the different shows. And if you like them, then you can go and get more of their music. Uh, That's the whole point of this thing altogether. So moving on to the interview today, it is with David Cribben of Arcadian Shadows. As I said, they're an indie punk band based here in Dublin. We had the pleasure of playing a couple of gigs with them before all this corona stuff started. And I asked Dave if he would be interested in doing an episode. And he agreed and came on and gave a great interview where we talk about lots of things, including his songwriting process, the recording process of the EP, their new band members and his opinions on streaming and how it has changed our listening habits uh, generally. So it's a very interesting interview. So uh, stay tuned and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Like uh, myself, you're not originally from Dublin. You're from Longford, isn't that right, isn't it? I'm from Longford, yes. I'm from Roscommon myself, so a bit further west. Um, what was it like, you know, when you were a teenager? Was there much of a music scene around there for bands and gigs, or what was it like? Yeah, there was. Like, we had a... When I was first getting into music, after Italia 90... Hmm. That's probably a bit too even soon, but I'd, I'd say probably 94. Basically, when, when Oasis first started coming on the radio waves, um, I was mad into them. And Longford had a... A summer festival every year. We, I remember seeing a local band called uh, Yellow Snow, and they right. played rock. They played rock and roll star, and uh, kind of, yeah, uh, kind of really liked the idea of of being on stage, kind of uh, singing singing Oasis songs at the time. You know, um, we had a we had a summer festival every summer, but then that that kind of stopped for a while. It was brought back into into the town. It was organised just there recently back, maybe. I think two summers ago 
we played there last summer on the on on main state the main main street in Longford, um, supporting none other than Bagatelle. Oh. So that's kind of my own personal, I suppose, claim to glory is kind of not playing the Longford Summer Festival. It's probably you know, the biggest that we've got so far, but uh, it means a lot more when you're kind of playing in front of friends and family like so. That was kind yeah. of a, a nice homecoming. Definitely, yeah. And were you from the town yourself? I'm from the town, yeah, from the town. Uh, I'm the only culture in the band. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of like myself. So you mentioned Oasis there. So what uh, what other bands would have inf- influenced you to start or would have been mainly Oasis, would it? Yeah, like I was a bit stone mad about Oasis, like as, like, as in a, as all I'd really listened to. Like, well, before Oasis, I'd be kind of listening to Longwave Atlantic 252 and, you know, I'd kind of be appreciating all, all that was. It was a great pop, pop uh, era back in the day, yeah. back in those times as well. So there's a lot of good, credible pop bands that um, kind of got me in as well. But like, yeah, after that, it was mainly Oasis, Guns N' Roses. Um, and I kind of ventured into Radiohead for a while. And then I kind of got, I resented them because Oasis slagged them off once. So I, I took a, <laughs> I, I took Liam and Noel's point of view about them being, and them being, I suppose, depressing or whatever. But uh, no, I kind of figured out for myself that they, were, they weren't, Depression, and they're now my favorite band of all time, probably. Um, my first album that I've ever bought, actually, of my own pocket money, I guess, was a uh, chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. Oh, the Olympuscus, yeah. But that, that's interesting, though, because a lot of what you're saying there, it sounds like uh, the same as myself. You know, I used to listen to Longwave 252, and like yourself, I was massively into Oasis, still love Oasis. I'd, for nostalgia purposes, and just, I suppose me back down to back to a simpler time where where there was less complete saturation of music and bands to try and kind of expose yourself to or discover nowadays it's like it's kind of kind of a, like a paradox where there's, there's so much music like an absolute wealth of music on spotify and i don't find myself uh having the time or the want use of a, a lesser word a, a better word um I, I don't know, the Strokes album came out that there two weeks ago. That's the first album I've actually listened to since since Radiohead's A Moon Shaped Pool, which was, what, two years ago. I find myself kind of, because, like, the whole way we consume music now is, is completely changed. So you kind of find yourself listening to a few tunes on an album. Now, I've purposely and intently started to change that. Like, I, I want to kind of go back to listen to albums and not just shuffling through them, but listening from start to finish in their order. I've been kind of making that as a, a New Year's resolution to try and just even not just even new albums, but, but bands that I've never kind of that I kind of skipped over in my youth, such as um, I don't know maybe Pearl Jam. I didn't really give too much time to or Soundgarden, um, other bands that I I think I might you know that I I I need to maybe revisit and and see what I you know if they they rock my boat or not you know. Yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying there. There's just so much music now in some ways. It's it's sort of nearly depressing in some ways because you could literally listen to something new every day and you'd never hear everything. You're kind of lost. You're kind of... It's, it's, because, it's, because of the sheer like fast like, amount of tunes, they're probably the same amount of bands that are out. Uh, or maybe not because it's, it's all DIY now. So anybody, there's no, I suppose, standard. I'm not saying that the standard has dropped, but there is no standard your criteria in which you, you know anybody can basically put music up on Spotify once you pay for it you know yeah so there is obviously probably a, a big increase on people on on music 
up on Spotify or on other platforms out there at the moment. But um, you kind of get lost in regards to you finding the time of day to try and, and you're trying to, I suppose, uh, use your time wisely in regards to listening to these bands. As I said, like you don't really have the time that you did when you before you became an adult and became part of this rat yeah. race. But um, now that you are working, so you have to kind of maybe put aside time. You, you don't know whether to kind of listen to. And I, I've been signed up and I'm following various playlists on Spotify. They're, they're you know unsigned bands and bands that are in, from Dublin because you feel like you should be. It's your, you're trying to support. You're trying to support the scene. It's a bit of a head spin in regards to trying to figure out uh, bands that you should actually would want to listen to. You're getting pulled in all sorts of directions. Like and like bands that I really look for that I really really like, like Radiohead and The Stroke, both my two favorite bands of the last you know ten years or whatever. Um. They're the two. They're only two albums that I, the two albums that I've listened to from start to finish. But not only that, and the Arctic Monkeys probably as well. Their their last one. But in saying that, I've only listened to it twice or mm. two, two or three times. You know, whereas you know when you had the CD, you'd have, you know you'd be listening to going to bed, you'd be listening to getting up, um, you'd listen to it at least five times in a week. Uh, I keep on forgetting the tunes that are on Moonshade Pool. Uh, now, in fairness, I have listened to the Strokes album quite a few times since last week, but. I, I couldn't tell you more than the title of more than three songs on the Moonshade Pool by Radiohead, you know, because you're not paying attention to, a, to the CD cover. There is no CD cover. You're just letting the play song. So it's, it's, it's just a different way of, completely different way of consuming music these days, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah. And with all that said, you know, all that is definitely true. And I agree with you on it. At the same time, then, the likes of ourselves and and your band, you know, when we were back in the 90s, the thoughts of getting your music even recorded and getting it up for people to hear was was unheard of. So the pro of it is that is now changed. So any anyone can record and get it put up and it can be heard by anyone. So with that said, is your position on the likes of Spotify and those, is it generally, would you be supportive of it or do you think it's it's it's, it's sort of a bad, bad way to be going? In a very simplistic answer, uh, I say, yes, it's, it's not the right way to be going. But there is, there are pros to it. So um, it, it's hard to know, really. I, I, and generally, in regards, to the, in regards to the artists and the music industry, it's, it's obviously bad, I think. Now, that's the obvious answer. It's probably maybe a, 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 an overly simplistic answer. Because in another way, it is good to have this access of music. Like, globally, you can tune into any band globally in the world from any country that you'd never have a chance in a million years of accessing or even be aware of back in the 90s you know um whereas now i'm on twitter i'll be getting all these hashtags from bands in korea south america now if i had the time to listen i might love it but um and i'm, I'm slowly trying to maybe i'm literally making a list a little notepad of bands to check out you know so it's, it's a very multifaceted question that is it's a very it's, it is it depends on how you look at it i think generally it's bad for for the artist to make any bit of money out of it uh, it's it cheapens the quality of your and i don't want to say art but it is i suppose an art it's a there's full-time musicians out there putting their heart and soul into the music and they're getting paid pittance so it's it's all the only way that you they make money back now is is through gigging and that's another pro stroke con you know, it's 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 good that artists have to get out there and and sing for their dinner and play live as such, and not just be earning millions of of money just by releasing one or two CDs. It's gone from two extremes, from like big 
loaded wealthy rock stars like Bono and and Oasis, the Gallagher's from Oasis, and you know these there could be bands that maybe just make one good CD and live off the the millions they've earned off that. But uh, I definitely think that the, the the price or the the, the fear that artists get from a Spotify play or a stream. I think it works out at like something like zero point zero zero one four cent per stream. Um, that's that's ridiculous. Like, but um, another point to maybe consider is like a hard copy, like that costs what twelve fifteen euro back in the day, and that's it. That's your that's your money invested in that al- album in that artist on a once off payment. Whereas if if the price per stream was maybe increased to maybe ten cent per stream, I think it might be fair. Through Spotify and through all these streaming services, there's repeated purchase. So you're you're not just paying it off on a once off. Each time you listen to that song or each time you listen to that album, you're giving money to the artist. So if, if the price was increased to maybe, I said, let's say 25 cents per stream, I think uh, it would be a lot more fair. But I don't blame Spotify really as such for that. I think the record industries did a deal with these music service, these streaming services. And they provided a back catalogue to these music stream services, to these streaming services, for a one-off multi-million pound deal, and Spotify bought them. You know, it's certainly a mixed bag, isn't it? But I suppose the bottom line is, like you said, there, the money that uh, is given per stream is is absolutely ridiculous. Like it's an insult, really. But will it change? Who knows? But uh, to move on from that a bit, maybe just when did you start writing and? You know, how do you generally approach writing now with the band? Is it, you know, are you bringing songs to them in a complete state or is it sort of you get together in a room and jam or uh, just talk to us a bit about that sort of process? Back then it was generally me and guitar and uh, my kind of inspiration or my, and it still serves me to this day really, would be basically certain turns of phrase um, that would maybe just kind of stick out in my mind if somebody had said, uh, my, my mom would be a great one for kind of proverbs I'd maybe take it away and kind of think about a phrase that was said that she said or whatever or anybody else would have said uh lost in youth was um she's she still says it is said I used as lost in the young so um that's that's uh, my first song was was basically based on that called lost in youth um another thing she used to say to me if it was ever a bit of a a bit of a bowsy back in the day I suppose um she I'd be given out to me in regards to you know if I came home drunk or whatever you know, and and I and I of course I'd end up saying sorry and I'd be apologising and uh, she would say she'd always say like okay now today is the, the first day of the rest of your life, um so basically for me a chance for me to start up anew, but um I, I, <laughs> I said to her like with her, the, the, kind of the last time she said I was like I've been I've been reborn more times than a Hindu. Uh-huh. <laughs> So I did write a song on that dance called Born um, Born Today. That's just me sitting in a room, kind of being pensive, putting uh, songs on an acoustic guitar. There's certain certain songs where I feel arrive to me in my mind in this complete state, I guess. Uh, there's other songs that, where I just basically, uh, in regard to songs in a complete state, uh, I'd maybe have an, I have an idea, I have an, a, a concept of a song, and I'd literally sit down, pen and paper, I have, I'd have the riff in my head, um, I'd figure out the riff first on the guitar, I guess. Uh, I'd have the concept written down, I suppose, or the, the the title of the song written down. Once I have the riff kind of fully played out, I'd be kind of, I'd I'd basically start singing about this concept or trying to. Once I get the first line out, the first line is 
dictates, I suppose, where you're going with it. And life situations or life events can inspire you greatly. Like, you know, there's, um, I suppose there's a time in my life where I was feeling a bit uh, down or a bit maybe detached from people uh, back about, I suppose, about 10 years ago now. But um, that gave me a lot of kind of inspiration to write about, such as Me Against the World. I channeled uh, that, that kind of, I suppose, those feelings that I was, I was feeling at the time and, and that experience, create something positive out of out of the bad, the bad situation I was in, I guess, you know. another song on the EP I guess I suppose for an example which didn't really mean anything at the time um, I just had these t- the first two lines of, of Rotten Amaze I need some love and I just started singing it one day at work or like uh, <laughs> I don't know maybe it's something subliminal but I was singing like I need some love it's a natural institute I need some love and then I said I, I, I found this kind of rhyming of institute and substitute and I, I need some love with no clear substitute I need some love or else I'm going to have to prostitute myself to you I had those three lines just going off and I remember thinking I remember like singing them kind of going from work to the bus stop several times and not knowing where I was going to go with the, the rest of the song. And I, 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 I was really against writing love. I still am writing against writing love songs as such. So I didn't want it to be about a love song or a lost love or feeling, again, feeling sorry for myself kind of thing. But um, so I started thinking about uh, about where else I could take it. And I came up with the idea then of uh, writing about, I suppose, the three things, the three perceived needs or three perceived uh I suppose if you want to think of hierarchy, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, love, yeah. money and acceptance or something like that. Um, so, um, yeah, I started off writing, the, you know, the, 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 the first verse was about love. And then, but I also kind of made it a purpose to write a counteracting or a counterarguing verse in regards to saying, um, hold on a second, you, you know, you don't need love. Um, you know, you, you, if you're lucky enough to find someone that you're happy with and to spend the rest of your life with, then, that's a, you know, it's a huge bonus. But not the end of the world if you don't find somebody and that you can be, you know, you can be content, you can be content in life once you've got love for yourself. Um, the second verse then was about money again, you know, basically people chasing status and trying to basically stamp on their fellow man, which is a line in, the, in this, in that second verse. So again, I wrote a counteracting argument about, you know, there's some you know, money just, does, it's just shallow kind of, short-term happiness and you're not going you're not going to be happy in life unless you've got the re- you know, things that matter most and that's as well again love for yourself a good good circle of friends or a good family you know a nice family or basically people that care for you and basically not to be caught up in material wealth and then the third verse will be yeah again um people kind of i suppose are wondering what the purpose of life is and you know you feel you see a lot of people reaching out to basically believe in a higher purpose or to God or subscribe to a, a, such a certain religious belief or religious position. And again, I wrote a kind of a counter-argument to that saying you don't need faith or, or religion because you know, it's, it's, it's all bullshit, really. You can work to the bone until you get your crown. Run your fellow man in 
Well, I was listening to it and you've, you broke it down very well there. The verses are kind of, you know, sort of more laid back and quieter. And then the chorus is obviously very full on. And it's almost even like, a, a you know, a different sort of song nearly. I was wondering, did you write that all together or were they, did they come separately or were they different parts of music that you, you joined together? That's a good observation. Yeah, it was, uh, it's, uh, there were different parts. I had the verses and again, it was like I was, I was singing the verses, I suppose, in the tempo of being in a in a bit of a, I suppose, a ballad. When I got the idea of of basically not writing it, not not taking it in a kind of a love song ballady kind of way, and making it a bit more a bit more interesting, um, I do have a like a back then I had a notepad. When I was younger, I'd be basically writing down scribble, you know, concepts of songs, it turns a phrase that would kind of grab my imagination, um, and then obviously with the my mobile phones would be taken uh, to this day. I'm making notes on certain phrases that I hear from people, uh, members of the public or friends or family. And I'd be making notes of those phrases. So I had, I had Rat Maze there somewhere. Uh, and I'm not sure if it came before I saw it. One of my favorite movies is, is Shutter Island. And, um, there's a scene there in that film where he's, he's, he's brought face to face with his, um, the guy that's in the mental asylum in the in the in the not the mental asylum but the, the very the dangerous ward in Shutter Island uh latest the, the, the scar across his face and there is a scene where he's talking to latest in in the most dangerous locked up part of the mental asylum and he says uh, you're just a rat in a maze basically you know so I, I think it may have came around that time I do like that when when you know a song starts out one way and goes off maybe a slightly different direction than you would have thought and comes back again. You know, it does make it more interesting, I think. It does, yeah, yeah. And I try to do it like that. Like, uh, it, it, well, it's, it's certainly more exciting when you do kind of put it all together like a like a bit of a jigsaw and you're thinking, what? That? And, you're, and you're kind of questioning yourself, does it sound good? Does it sound natural? It can't be just two completely different types of music. Like, like even Me Against the World, it does start off slow as well. And then it kicks into a bit of a, into a rocky riff. So I remember when I finished writing that, I was thinking, yeah, that works, you know? Yeah. And, and on Me Against the World there, what's, what's the the audio, the clip at the start? Where did that come from? And what kind of inspired you to put that in? That, that, that was done by the genius of our bassist, Paul uh, Jarvis. He mixed uh, the album in the studio. Um, painstakingly, my dad, he had the idea of putting in a little bit of a, a dialogue or a monologue in on that. Um, and it was just basically trying to find something that was within that time frame of when it, uh, you hear the guitar yeah. and just before the, just before the lyrics kick in. And it just happened to be somewhat relevant. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. It doesn't really mean anything. But uh, the last bit of that dialogue was uh, something about basically the, the world will kind of chew you up and spit you out if that had a chance. So it just, matter, it just happened to kind of coincide with the, the message of the song, I guess, you know. I love stuff like that in songs and I, I was assuming when I heard it it was from a film. I typed the typed the words into Google and nothing was coming up. I was like, Oh, wherever they've gotten this from it's it's buried <laughs> well buried yeah, somewhere. I tried to find I tried to do that as well. But I, I actually thought it was from um some classic movie there. Is it called the uh, Gambler? I forget his name's Robert not Robert Rafer, but um this this kind of poker guy going through towns. Kind of like he's a he's a con man or something like that. I forget the name of it, but I, I thought it was from I thought it was from that movie, but it wasn't. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's still a mystery as to where it's come from. Valediction, uh, that was, I actually wrote, that, I had, uh, that, that title of that song was a title from a song, a, I, the, the first and only love song I've ever written was called Valediction, but that was just a, and it wasn't about anybody in particular, it was just, had a kind of nice kind of melody on an acoustic guitar and I, I, it, it kind of suited the kind of tempo of a love song. So I kind of borrowed that phrase valediction from, uh, I remember, again, this is a phrase that kind of stuck up in my mind when I read it or discovered it. And it was, it was basically, a, 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 it's a poem by Seamus Heaney, I believe, if I recall. The subtitle of it called, it was, it was in valediction and uh, in inverted commas underneath it was The Art of Saying Goodbye. The song that I actually have on the EP, I didn't have a title for it, and but but the song is about, namely me, back in the day, trying to get get away from negative people or negative forces in your life and being stuck in a rut and not being able to get away from that kind of uh, vicious cycle. So a fall addiction is basically the art of saying goodbye to somebody that you're trying to say goodbye to, but you just can't. Arcadia Ego was basically uh, I read a book called The Holy Blood and the Holy Grail back back when I was oh, about 10 years ago as well at this stage but uh, apparently these were the r- words that were inscribed on the inside of Jesus uh, Jesus Christ's tomb when it was removed there was uh, th- these words in Latin A Arcadia Ego which basically means in Arcadia which is a Latin word for paradise I, I believe uh in paradise, I dot, 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 dot. So there's a unfinished phrase there, but it, it led to the, the formation of decades old cults and secret societies. And everyone believes that there's a big you know, secret to life and the bloodline of Christ. And there's only a secret privileged few that's known to possess the knowledge of this, the Holy Grail of life, whatever that, whatever that's meant to mean. I suppose my idea on the or my interpretation of the meaning of life is to enjoy it, and I suppose to echo the sentiments of John Lennon is that you know to be here now and to, to sing for your life and dance for your soul is the chorus for that song. It's roughly about basically trying to figure out people trying to figure out their position in life and what life is meant to mean, but basically losing track of what's what, what you should be doing. Um, we're not going to figure this out, not in this lifetime. <laughs> Probably my favourite one on the EP, maybe, I'd say. just has a nice groove and it moves along nicely and it has the breakdown with the bass solo. and It's a great uh, song to finish a set with, like, because you kind of 
yeah, you, you, you do the verse and the chorus verse, and it's a great solo. Liam, Liam came up with an absolute bitch and solo for that. Um, so it's a really good song to finish the set with, and that's what we usually, that's what we do finish the set with. And when it breaks down before you know at the at the after the last chorus, it's a good way to say you know thank you for coming out, people. We're Arcadian Shadows. We leave you on this note, and then we kind of kick back into it again, like you know. Hmm. I'm getting a like a vibe, like a Kasabian sort of vibe off some of the songs. Would would they be an influence at all, or am I totally gone up the wrong tree? Um, I wouldn't be a massive like a uh, fan, and there wouldn't be, I suppose, a massive influence on my songwriting. Um, but I can, I do like that kind of energy that they have. I do yeah. like like bands that have a kind of a just a cool vibe about them. Uh, Oasis being one, Art the Monkeys being one, but Kasabian had that kind of rock and roll. Uh, edge to them and I do like kind of music that has that kind of edginess to them and that, that bit of rawness to them and a bit of rock and roll to them like you know so I do I can definitely see the I can definitely see uh, the similarities alright yeah, especially with regards to ARK the Eagle I suppose they have a bit more uh, electronica going back yeah, going on yeah. And you do like obviously when you're when you're playing live it's very you know it's energetic and it's loud and you know, it's f- full throttle, uh, whereas the EP itself is a bit more, I'd say a bit more textured, you know, there's different sounds going on and you've got keyboard parts and stuff. When you went in to record, w- w- did they just sort of come along or had you kind of planned to put them on? It's very much of a, you know, we'd record it, play it back and we'd all sit together as a band and and each time we sat down as a band, there'd be new ideas coming up. Just Another thing, given that I play drums, I was listening to the drums and they're, you know, they're quite, uh, well, what I would say, they're sort of like a dry kind of, you know, 70s punk kind of vibe. Whereas a lot of new stuff now, the drums are made sound massive and compressed and, you know, like they're hitting you in the face. Was that a conscious thing again or did that just sort of happen or was there much thought put into that? It wasn't a conscious, wasn't a conscious thing. Um that would be the style uh, of of Chris's drumming, you know. Um, we thought, you know, if it's if it fitted with the, the style of the song. Now, in saying that, Chris has left the band since, as as Paul. We had one jam session with the new band members just there before the week before this virus hit Ireland. We had a jam session with a very different kind of drummer who who brought a new life, as I said, more in your face and louder. Um, grab you by the balls, kind of fucking drumming. It's different to what Chris did, obviously. And 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 all respect to Chris, is is a great servant of ours. <laughs> we didn't like that we had him on a ball and chain, but but again, he's he's a great drummer in his own right. Uh, I I I think we would be bringing a, a new sound to the band in general when when we have a when we have a new a few more jam sessions under our belt. Yeah, well, hopefully it all, you know, gets back to normal soon. Uh, and, you know, that is something I was going to ask you about. So obviously you've kind of already answered my next question. So it does sound like the the new members have brought a new dynamic and there will be a different kind of sound or direction going forward in some ways. Your sound in general, like, I mean, I think you have it down as indie punk where maybe your delivery is sort of punky. And the intent behind the songs is punky, but the the music is more coming from a different sort of place. Would you agree with that? I would, yeah. We we are heavier than indie, you know. We're heavier. We're heavier than the Stereophonics or um, or even Oasis, let's say. But yeah, we're 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 softer than some of the brilliant punk bands that I've I've come to see live on the scene. The sound that we had is 
definitely um, a million miles away from punk, but we were happy with, with what the sound was and whatever that represented or whatever. But uh, lately now we've had a, again, this new drummer that's on board, we're, get, we're trying to kind of go steer towards a, a more collective creative process. And Lee has chipped in with some very good risks. The last time that we jammed before this virus with the new drummer, he came up with an absolute, an unbelievable riff again, and I I started singing something. I had no predetermined uh, concepts or, or or vision of what I was going to write about or sing about. Even sorry, I just started singing these random lyrics. So I think what we're going to be trying to do going forward as a band is to try and get that from get that raw process, that raw creative process from together from from ground zero as a band and kind of work from it from there like I, I obviously won't be able to write lyrics on the spot in, in, a, in a in a group environment like that but um certainly get the bones of a song structure wise riff wise melody wise and chorus timing and all that that's what we i suppose we're, we're going to aspire to do going forward because it seems to i suppose even for band morale to have other members included in the writing and the creative process is, is good you know yeah yeah well it's good you have a mix though you have you know, you're bringing fully, more or less fully finished songs to the table and then people get to add their bits and then also you're going to this approach of everyone just starting out with maybe a riff in the room and seeing where it goes. So it's good to have that mix and that approach uh, can be nice, but it, it can be, uh, well, I found anyway, it, it has to be disciplined as well because if you have too many ideas flying about and you don't kind of log them and get them done right, you'll end up, kind of going down a rabbit hole with nothing to show for it but you know when it works it it's it's great when it does work um when everyone's just on the same page and it's, it's something just a riff in the space of an hour or two becomes this you know this almost fully fledged song you know yeah no you, you can you can very easily get get you know side derailed but um it's important i suppose and, and it's, it's, kind of, it's i find it easy i don't know if other songwriters do there is a complete different a different well of inspiration to pull from. If you have, if somebody gives you a song or a melody, it can feed you with, uh, I suppose, a, 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 an idea of what you want to write about because you, you just know by the sound of the song what sort of energy it gives off. And if you just start singing like blindly, just completely blindly, whatever's kind of coming into your head, it's important to kind of get a melody right first. So by trying to fit words into a melody, it could be just complete gibberish. But if you fit the words into the melody, and you've got the timing of of the lines, or you've got the as well as the rhythm of the of the song in your head. That can some that can help you a long way in regards to what you want to actually write about. How are you going to frame the song? Hmm. It's great to hear that you know you're kind of going down all these new avenues, and and uh, it certainly sounds like whenever there is some new material that it's going to be probably a lot different. Or um, it'll be interesting to see how it compares with what you've already put out there. And on that, like you know, it is all you know a lot about the performance there and like I, I did say earlier you know your ep is you know maybe not as full-on but your live show certainly is that you know it's 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 loud and it's fast and it's energetic and you have um a great stage presence you know you're always able to deliver banter and lines between the songs and keep it keep it moving you know which doesn't come naturally to to, to most people i would say it's something people have to work at because a lot of people when you're on stage playing and when you stop and it's sort of a sort of an awkward Ooh, all right quick lad start the next song you're well able to sort of have a bit of you know a bit of a laugh or a bit of joke with the with the crowd which will only endear people to you 
has yeah. that always been natural to you or is it just the way you are? Yeah, it's the way I am now. When I was younger, I was quite shy. Um, but I did come on, I came out with my shell perhaps a bit too much yeah. <laughs> in secondary school. And um, I do like, I, like, I, I am a quite a, a very I suppose, chatty person. Like I'm, I'm very open, very expressive. I have a natural non-fuck giving kind of uh, approach to things where if you, if you, you know, like to me, it's my dream to be up on stage and playing with a band and playing my songs to be our songs to people. And I'm going to make absolutely, I'm making every single second count because it's, it's another experience or another memory to bring with me. Like, um, I, I, the barrier in regards to me in the crowd, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and pretend that there is no barrier. There's always a barrier with people that people always give a shit. You might, you know, you might hear the phrase dance as if there's no one looking, but you know, there's everyone's always conscious about what the, how they, how they're perceived by people, no matter how much you try to pretend that you don't give a shit, you will give a shit. You all, everyone gives a shit to some degree. If you're too caught up in the, how people perceive you and you're trying to say everything to, you know, you're trying to say all the cool things to try and engage a crowd or an audience, you're not going to remember all the cool things that you had planned on saying <laughs> in between songs. You just have to try and just, just say, it. and if you're stuck, if you're stuck for words, all you have to do is say, listen, thanks for coming out tonight. And you know, people are out there to support you. They're, they want to be on your side. They respect that. Like it's, it's like a, it's like a, when you're at a wedding, if you, if you, a lot of jokes that you hear at weddings aren't that actually funny, but you know, people will recognize that you're trying to be funny and will laugh with you because yeah. they want, yeah, they want you to succeed. If you say anything remotely funny, and if they recognise it to be funny, or if you if they recognise you to be engaging, they'll they'll play along once once you're genuine yeah, and not yeah. about it, you know. Yeah, well, well, great advice uh, for for us all. And um, before we let you go, uh, I mean, I, I you know I know you probably have not no future gigs or anything to plug, but um, you know, where can people get your music if they want to have a listen to it? Yeah, well, so uh, we're we we'll be we'll be back jamming as soon as this is all over with new two band new members. Uh, we'll be we're we're gonna be as well. I'm still looking away on the old Facebook, just trying to get radio play and all that. But yeah, we're on Facebook, Arcadian Shadows. Uh, we're on Twitter, Arcadian Shadows. Uh, YouTube also, we've got our own channel there. So please subscribe. Um, run run um Spotify as well, obviously, and all, all the. I don't. I'm not subscribed to. Uh, to uh, Pandora or other music platforms. Sure. So again, Arcadian Shadow, the EP is Between the sun, between the Lines, Portrait EP, and yeah, I uh, hope you like it. Well, look, Dave, thanks so much for talking to me, and the audio is starting to get a bit dodgy again, so best of luck with the you know the new band members and new tracks, and uh, we'll all be uh, waiting for your new stuff to come out, hopefully in the near future anyway, so uh, thanks very much. My pleasure, Paul. You're a great best of luck with the show and a great interview. Thanks very much. Fantastic stuff there from David. Hopefully you enjoyed that. And be sure to check out Arcadian Shadows and their EP Between the Lines. And uh, that's available on Spotify and all the usual streaming platforms. And the band are also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those places as well. That's episode two in the bag and hopefully enjoyed it thanks again to everybody who gave me some feedback on the first episode it was really good to get it to be honest and uh, i won't name any names because i'll probably forget somebody but you know who you are and thank you very much and remember you can get in touch on the email insidesongpod at gmail.com the podcast is also on facebook now and twitter 
and I will have that Spotify playlist uh, featuring all artists that appear on the podcast episodes that will be available soon and I'll probably put that out on Twitter and Facebook and stuff it should be up and running before the next episode which uh, is in the pipeline of a few people lined up and I'm looking forward to bringing you more episodes and hopefully lots of different kind of music that um, everybody will find something that they like from this hopefully anyway that is episode 2 thank you for listening hopefully enjoyed it and we'll see you soon for episode 3